Have you been shadow banned by the liberal media? Free market got you down? Do you get ratioed on every Twitter post because of your shit takes on literally everything? Then producer Dave and HK are probably watching your three-hour dissertation on how a tomato cannot possibly be a fruit because gender and critical race theory can be cured with ivermectin. The Intellectual Dollar Tree, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Please leave it a one-star review on iTunes. Check out the rest of our schedule at ecoplexmedia.com. Police officers, they've gone insane. Yeah. 
All right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We do this show live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and we have a star wipe now. So we are a professional setup. I'm Producer Dave. You can find me uh, damn near anywhere. And this is The Councilman. You can find me at T-H-E underscore Councilman uh, on Twitter uh, and also on the Complex Media contact pages. So please uh, check us out there. Uh, give to all of our devices and our, our, our uh, Shillbuck uh, repositories. And please continue to watch here on Twitch and download the podcast and share it with your friends, especially if you're into local politics in the Bay Area. Why wouldn't you want to listen to this? It's We're definitely one of the top five shows about local politics in the Bay Area in Campbell. That's interesting because nobody's there anymore. True, but we still have a really heavy listenership there. I oh. think your 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 old roommates, and then um, you know, landlord, um, and maybe that your friend from the the head shop down the street. <laughs> Chiptville still lives there too. We are we are we are highly ranked amongst white males in Campbell. Probably not untrue. Uh, just just real quick, we have a brand new swag shop. I know this will be the nine hundredth time you've heard me say this, but we're with Fourth Wall now. And uh, they have some pretty cool integrations. Um, if you buy anything on there uh, during the show, actually, uh, it gives an alert during the uh, during the show that you bought something there. So it's, uh, you can go ahead and go to ecoplexmedia.com slash swag like you always could. And you just click on the image for our swag shop there. You can check out the shirts. We have some new stuff. We have some old classics. And we have a limited edition local love shirt that we're only offering till the end of the summer. So... Is there a way if someone ordered something and the notification came through and one of the soundboard clips could maybe be triggered like a Gorka soundboard? Absolutely not. Okay. Just I checking. I thought that'd be fun. The only things around the, the, the only things allowed here, allowed here around here to make sound without me are the co-hosts. Without me nice telling them. You have the nice fancy new studio. I thought, you know, we, we could uh, integrate some some craziness. No, the, like I said, the only things allowed to make sound around here without me directly causing it is the co-host. I do not want things just bleeping randomly. And, yeah, yeah, making noise and shit. Fuck that. Fuck that. Anyway, yeah, thanks everybody for downloading the show and make sure you check out our other shows. Just type Echoplex Media in to your podcatcher of choice and you should find all of our shows. And if you happen to find that any of our shows are not on one of the podcast apps that you like, uh, just shoot us an email. Let us know. I'll uh I'll send a nasty email to the people who run the podcast app, or I'll just be like, Hey, can you include our show? Depends on what kind of mood I'm in and what kind of, what kind of nasty message you send me. Um, so also check out local love after this live. We have Sue Tara coming in. It's a new artist to us. We just got music from him yesterday. Interested to hear what he has to say. It'll be an interview and a live performance. If you missed last week, make sure you check out Patty K's live performance. That was the real deal. It went off really well. And I'm really happy with how things are uh, working out here so far as that goes, because we have a little more space. And so the artist can stand up and have room to step forward, maybe a step and a half. So that's pretty great. They can uh, put their back into it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. What do we got for leading off? Uh, well, that's a very fine question. Well, last week we uh, covered the story of a, a gentleman in San Jose whose home has been run into 23 times. Um, by cars coming off the freeway. Um, and it turns out um, he's not alone. There are buildings being run into all the time by people in San Jose and in the greater Bay Area. And unfortunately, in Oakland, uh, people decided they would run into a nonprofit building and destroy a bunch of uh, donations in the process. So a uh, little twofer for leading off. A major setback for a popular East Bay nonprofit and the community it serves. Homies Empowerment was set to celebrate the grand opening of its new building this week, but they're now looking to rebuild after two cars plowed right into their building. Here's NBC Bay Area's Valina Jones. 
This is where the car came into the building, damaging multiple rooms, sending fiberglass everywhere that's still in the air right now. This room is usually what the nonprofit uses to help store all their supplies to help the community. Now they're looking at at least a month before they can come back inside. And now we have to rebuild. It took us so long to get here. A year of planning coming to a screeching halt after two cars barreled into the site of Homies Empowerment Care Center on Oakland's MacArthur Boulevard. It happened on the same day the new building was set to open. Viviana Montano says the two cars were racing each other Thursday morning and lost control. Both crashed into the building. One was left behind. The two drivers took off in the other one. It hit the light pole right in the corner across the street from right here. And then the one of the cars came straight in here, the other one in reverse hit this side of the wall. Oakland police say speed was a factor, but are saying they can't confirm if the two drivers were racing. Pritchard show where the white BMW SUV slammed into the building, destroying thousands of dollars worth of food, clothing, and hygiene supplies said to be given out to over 2,000 families. Every the homies. This building means family, it means resources, it means fulfilling people's needs as we can, um, it's happiness, it's joyful, it's necessities. Montano says they are lucky no one was hurt. She's calling on the city to take action and implement new safety measures, including concrete barriers to keep the community they're trying to serve safe. Community just walking or just out here trying to get some food and they're not safe. Uh, there's been so many accidents here. You know, um, we're just trying to prevent, you know, any any real injury. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. I can't imagine racing down MacArthur Boulevard. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. Um, so perhaps this is something else um, entirely. But uh, regardless, reckless driving once again. Um, and then, of course, the... Well, we, the city should do something about this. The city should build ballers. The city should build concrete barriers. I mean, we already saw Homeboy on a... Uh, speaking of homeboys, homeboy in Jackson in San Jose, who his home has been run to 23 times. He spent what the $30,000 on concrete bollards and other things like that. And in rocks and <laughs> shit in his front yard, a moat, um, and his, his shit's still getting run into. So, um, I don't know, uh, that that's going to help either. Um, so yeah, but I mean, generally just street safety, very important. Um, pay attention when you're driving, there's a reason why you're supposed to get a license. I mean, it's very easy to get a license to drive, but there's a reason why you have to get one. It's shocking that you don't have to get one to like have a kid or something else like that, but you do have to get a license to drive. So respect that and uh, uh, try, you know, try to be, sorry, a little beeping noise going on here. Uh, respect that and uh, try to be as safe as possible when you are driving, even if you're in a hurry. I mean, I can't Especially imagine a situation where two cars did the cars collide with each other first? Like possibly, but they said that like the driver of the one car got into the other car and they both left. So they were in some kind of cahoots. Yeah, very much so. Uh, so some sort of hit and run slash getaway slash. Yeah, it must it must have been some sort of friendly race, perhaps, or uh, some friendly some friendly Josh. And I've I've certainly in my house I on days producer Dave I certainly. Uh, drove around perhaps not inebriated but perhaps i should not have been driving and uh engaged in some you know shenanigans with friends who were in other cars right um this happens um but you should definitely not do that i do not endorse that in any way just 
uh, sharing from from experience. Well, do as um, I say, not I, as I do. Correct. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm sharing from experience that that is the wrong thing to do, um, but it does happen. So that's possibly what happened here as well. To some friendly, uh, uh, you know, joshing on the road, and uh, someone bumped someone too much, and they lost control. Something, something like that. It's just, uh, it's just, I like I said, I have a hard time believing there was racing going on on MacArthur. Uh, if you're not from the Bay Area, MacArthur is not like a big, wide open street where you would maybe choose to do street racing, right? Like it's not yeah. a, it's not the right place. It's in a, it's in a, like a dense area. There's a lot of crosswalks, a lot of lights. I think there's even some fucking stop signs and shit. Yeah. And it's not an expressway. Yeah. There's, there's not room to race, but that doesn't it, mean people what, aren't doing it. Yeah. It's what you'd call a, com if you're in the land use parlance, a uh, neighborhood community commercial district right it's it's a commercial area but literally right behind abutting the commercial properties like this uh nonprofit are homes right single family homes and houses and apartments so people living in close proximity to the the main drag quote unquote of the neighborhood but yeah it's not a, a drag you would normally see speeding so again i think uh your hunch is more than likely correct this is just some friends um who got a lot of control definitely definitely I did not print out my docket this week because I didn't print out my docket. So I'm having to it's switch no back and forth between tabs on another computer. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. It always is real in winners and losers because we're always struggling to find a winner and it's really hard to find one generally. At least the person we want to win um, doesn't win typically. Um, the, but uh, we're, we're sorry, this, go ahead. This next story is kind of surprising. I like, think we talked about it last week and I thought it was like a done deal that Gavin was going to sign this bill. Well, I think we're finding that um, Gavin still um, is thinking about his political future as well, too, right? Um, and uh, maybe not feeling so empowered like the homies um, <laughs> to do what he really wants and, and what's truly in his heart. Um, so this is a very political decision that he's made, but we'll find out more about it um, in the story here from, uh, I think it's KTVU. ...that would have allowed for supervised drug injection sites in San Francisco, Oakland, and Los Angeles, facilities designed to address the crisis of overdose deaths. Opponents, however, argue that these facilities normalize illegal behavior and will only worsen the crisis. In a statement released today, the governor said in part... Wait, these were supervised injection sites. Why did the news clip show crack pipes? This wasn't like a supervised crack pipe spot, was it? Is drugs adjacent? I mean, <laughs> they said get some B-roll of drugs, and <laughs> the, the, the producer just like, well, the producer probably doesn't know shit from Shinola, so he sees a bunch of meth pipes and doesn't recognize the difference between that and syringes. I don't know. Um. Improve the safety and health of our urban areas, but if done without a strong plan, they could work against this purpose. For more now, we're joined now by the author of this legislation, State Senator Scott Weiner. Senator Weiner, we always appreciate the time here. I, I know in a statement you put out just a, a short time ago, you, you described this veto by the governor as tragic. What, why do you describe it that way? Scott Weiner clearly lives in San Francisco because his house is on a hill. You can tell how because of how uh, tilted it is. Right. No, he absolutely does. He's it's a state senator from tragic. San Francisco. We have on San Francisco, in San Francisco, two people a day are dying of drug overdoses. Two a day. That's almost a thousand every year. Uh, and that's playing out throughout the state. And safe consumption sites, it's very simple, actually. And it's been used around the world for 30 years that people, instead of shooting up on a sidewalk in front in public view where they can overdose and then die they can go inside out of public view in a healthy setting 
use drugs and be offered treatment, and many people go into treatment, and if they do overdose, it can be reversed and they don't die. Uh, this is a basic harm reduction model. It's been studied for decades and is very successful at getting people in the treatment and keeping people alive. And California should be doing this. This is a real tragedy. Well, what is your response to, to the governor today in his statement about the veto, raising concerns about how these supervised injection sites would be operated and overseen at the local level? Does, does he have a point there? Listen, I support the governor. He's my friend. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. He is just dead wrong uh, on this. Uh, again, these sites, this is not a new thing. Cities around the world have been using these sites for decades. San, San Francisco or L.A. or Oakland wouldn't be just like from whole cloth creating something new. New York City um, implemented these a year ago. They have been so successful that Mayor Adams in New York City, who's a law and order mayor, Mayor Adams wants them to go 24 hours because they've been so successful. So we know cop. how to operate these sites when it's Mayor nothing Adams. new. Uh, and so I, I respectfully, strongly disagree uh, with the governor's uh, veto message. All right. We, we, we know that Governor Newsom previously uh, in years past has said that he was open to the idea of supervised injection sites. Why, why do you think the turnaround here, why, why do you believe the governor decided to reject this legislation in the end? Because this was legislation and not just an idea that he was asked about at some like liberal fundraiser. <laughs> I don't know. It's disappointing. The governor wants to be in a working group. You know, for the last four years, we could have been doing a working group if the governor needed more feedback. Uh, and, you know, we would have been happy to engage in a discussion around guardrails or any changes that, uh, that the governor may have wanted in the bill. We do that with a lot of bills. It's a very normal thing to engage with the administration on changes they want to see. Uh, that we didn't get that feedback. Uh, so it's just very, very disappointing. Uh, you know, people are dying and we have an opportunity to save lives and get people into treatment and we should do it. So, you know, the governor wants to do this working group. I say, you know, Godspeed with the working group. But my view is that San Francisco should just go ahead uh, and open something up because I don't want more people to die. All right, let me ask you, what, what role do you think uh, politics and, and future potential political endeavors might have played here? I mean, we know the governor is, is trying to raise his profile on a national level here, some suggesting he might be eyeing a run for the White House. Uh, and, you know, he has to navigate kind of a tricky political landscape. When you, when you look at things from a national perspective here as a presidential contender, do you think that, that his, his uh, future ambitions uh, could have played a role here in, in how he made a decision on, on your legislation? I, I can't speculate on that. I, I know that I just disagree with the governor's veto. I've, dis, I've disagreed with other vetoes of his, mm -hmm. and, I've, and I've strongly agreed with times when he's signed with legislation. So I've learned in politics, sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree, and I'm not going to speculate about motives. Okay, but finally, Senator, and we have to wrap up. We're almost out of time, but the governor says he wants to continue these discussions here and try to try to hammer out some of the details to, to get this done. Do, do, you, do you take him at his word? Do you believe that that is what he, he would like to do? And, and do you see a path forward here? 
Uh, I absolutely take him at his word, and I will always, as always, be willing to work with 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 the governor. Uh, like I've known him for over twenty years, I've worked with him on many things, and of course, I'm very, very willing to work with him. But people are dying right now, and so we don't have time uh, for a working group and to talk about it more and to study it more. We have so many peer-reviewed studies that say that these work. So I think that while the state gets its act together. Uh, because right now, with this veto, the state doesn't have its act together. Um, San Francisco and other cities should just move forward and open these up because saving lives needs to be job one for government. All right. Really appreciate your time today uh, and always. State Senator Scott Weiner from San Francisco. Good to see you. So the argument that he might be running for president and like has to like appeal to the middle or whatever, that's bullshit. Here's why. He was the governor or he was the governor of California. He was the mayor of San Francisco. He was the he was a mayor who was doing gay marriages against like federal law. They are going to tar and feather him as if he's like the second coming of fucking Karl Marx, no matter what he does. And Correct. so that's like just politically dumb. Like he's True. not going to be able to appeal to the people in the heartland if he runs for president. And I'm, I'm, I don't mean to paint the heartland with a big heartland brush. There are. There are fine folks in the heartland who would vote for Gavin Newsom, but those people who like they always put on CNN, they're like at a diner eating some fucking greasy spoon shit. They're like, oh, I'm a swing voter. Then when that Waffle usually House means voters. like I vote for I vote for the Republican unless it's yeah. unless it's Donald Trump's second term. Then I'll hold my nose and go vote for Joe Biden because this is a little embarrassing. Right. That's not really a swing voter. And right. so they're they're going to just go after him like he's fucking Che Guevara or like he's Jello Biafra or something. <laughs> and oh, sure. And, and yeah. so that that political expedience argument doesn't work. He may believe it and he is politically ambitious. And I think he will run for president one day. He may run in 2028. Um, and I think actually if he's going to run for president, he needs to do it in 2028. But <clears throat> he needs to be able to run as like a strong progressive because there's votes there's people who are just not going to vote for him because he's a Democrat. And then there's a layer in who might vote for a Democrat who ain't voting for Gavin Newsom, not voting for a San Francisco liberal, even if they are like a more moderate or like a centrist person. So those people are lost. If he's got political ambition beyond where he is right now, he needs to be able to um, rile up a progressive, if not leftist base, just even though he has not governed entirely as a progressive and certainly not as a leftist that is how the media and how the republican party is going to paint him and so he has to appeal to those people and get those people out and lean into the progressive things he's done and pretend he never met kimberly guilfoyle no i think i think you're right Percy. that's very astute uh and I think that one couple things are happening here. If this is a political decision based on his his intent to run for higher, you know, nationwide office, um, i.e., president, uh, it, it's a cynical um, move um, because you're right. Uh, he's going to be painted as the San Francisco liberal, no matter what happens. Um, that said, his consultants himself they may be banking on short memories and the inability of uh, you know the packs aligned against him to make that argument stick they will definitely help people remember everything not just all about the policies he's enacted but you know the fact that i don't know he slept with his best friend's wife um <laughs> i gotta i gotta give it to him though i gotta give it to him though when he got caught he didn't do like a non-pology 
He like straight up apologized to his friend on fucking TV. Like he owned it, he owned it, but it's still it's still another one of the things that they'll they will use um, against him in those swing states, right? Um, the the voters of Wisconsin are just going to see um, him as a San Francisco liberal no matter what. So I, I agree with you. Um, I, if I was his consultant, I'd say lean in. Um, I think that's that's what we've learned the hard way um, a couple times now. Um, even to some extent with Biden, because um, I just don't think that I think that he would have a lot more support behind his. He just, he, he doesn't have as much support behind his uh, his agenda as you would see, I think, from one of our more firebrand uh, candidates um, and and one of the more uh, you know progress really true progressive candidates. Um, he's kind of, he's kind of melba toast, and he inspires that kind of response. Um, and uh, in 2016, obviously, we suffered from from running. Uh, pretty much melba toast against uh the most iconoclastic candidate in the history of all humankind oh and uh, i mean so, in 2016 not for nothing either like i ain't no big hillary fan but there was i mean there there had been a decades-long propaganda campaign against her just for her having yeah. the temerity to open her mouth a few times like you yeah. know what i mean like that's a yeah. lot of, a lot of that is that she was she's corrupt she's corrupt why is she corrupt well her emails well everybody sends emails what emails you know and I think they're going to do that to anyone. Mm-hmm. They even did it to Joe Biden and Joe Biden's mm-hmm. no progressive. And no. like all in all, Gavin Newsom's record is that of a progressive politician, like hard on not balance. To be from, yeah. Hard not to be from San Francisco and California. I mean, you know, if that's what produced you, Kamala Harris, same, same pedigree. Um, well, she's doing, she's doing the smart thing and laying the fuck low actually. <laughs> Like other people like where's do. kamala i'm like do that i'm like well the president she's she, working for has a really low uh really low approval rating so you know what she's doing she's hiding <laughs> he, he old he old too he he prone to them you know them heart attacks so um she's yeah she's buying her time um we might get the first it could it would not surprise me to have the first female president by way of uh you know inheritance or whatever <laughs> succession sorry that's the word not inheritance succession um because um, we are that sexist well that that I don't know, but I do think that, you know, I think that the uh, California State Senator Weiner made a pretty good point there that other countries do this. They have one in New York, and he brought up the New York mayor, who yeah. is not a progressive. He's, he's a, a Democrat, but he's a law and order guy. And he's a cop. I, and I, I mean, I, I hadn't looked into this before, but I believe. I believe the senator when he says that the mayor was like, can we open these 24 hours? This is working better than expected or whatever. Cause that would, would it be, that's what it would be. Right. This works better than I thought it would. Let's keep them open. Um, you know, I guess there's places for sort of like renegade community activists to do things like this, but then that gets real dicey and people are putting themselves at, at risk of basically yes. federal drug trafficking, fucking arrest. If they're yes, set up a situation like this, if you set up municipal, Wiener's right though. You could set up municipal codes around it and just do it locally, and then you're basically daring the state and the feds to step in um, at that point. But yeah, this is just an odd. Even if it is a political decision, it's odd. It 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 doesn't compute. You know, he's you're right. He should lean into who he is and who he's what he's or at least what he's going to be labeled as. Correct. Um, so I I don't know what's behind this entirely. Um, so, and I, I, I completely agree with Senator Weiner. We don't need another goddamn task force, another working group. Like, <laughs> for God's sake, there's, there are some issues that, you know, yeah, you need to study because we just haven't studied them. This one has been studied ad nauseum. It's been implemented. It works. Just do it. And, and not for but, nothing, if there's things about it that don't work or can be implemented better, there are, there's these things that we do. They're called improvements. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You can always pass a pass a new bill. Well, anyway, we'll 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 track that and see if uh, if the governor comes around next time this comes forward. But I have a feeling San Francisco and maybe Oakland would will step forward and try and do this on their own. It seems like a very Oakland thing to do to do this without yeah. anybody's permission. Yeah. Well, we'll find out, we'll learn more about that later too. Um. Well, uh, moving on uh, to down winners and losers. Um, losers, County of Santa Clara winners, Calvary Church, bummer. Calvary Chapel San Jose gained national attention during the peak of the pandemic for ignoring local and state health orders on capacity limits, masking, and social distancing. The county responded by hitting them with a number of fines. But this week, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in favor of the church, overturning more than $200,000 in court fines. Legal analysts... Never trust anyone in a wooden room. Johnson says the ruling was guided by precedent, created by what most see as an increasingly conservative Supreme Court. The case is itself a, a ramification of what the Supreme Court has done, and it will have uh, implications uh, far beyond this, this single case. And this isn't the end of the fight. The county says in a statement the ruling does not affect its enforcement action against Calvary, saying the church didn't dispute numerous other violations during the height of the pandemic before vaccines were available. Adding, we will continue to hold Calvary accountable for putting our community's health and safety at risk. And we are proud of the county's proactive efforts throughout the pandemic to save lives. Johnson, who has no direct connection to the case, says the debate over public health versus religious freedom is very likely to end up in the nation's highest court. Uh, uh-oh. The Supreme Court may ultimately yeah. have to face the argument that it has avoided literally for centuries, which is, um, can we as a court... Uh, um, sit and decide what is a valid religious claim and what is not a valid religious claim. The church denied our request for an interview today. The county is still seeking $2.8 million in other fines from the church. And tomorrow, health officer Dr. Sarah Cody will be deposed as part of that lawsuit. In San Jose, Ian Cole, NBC Bay Area News. Ian, thank you. She's going to perform very well in her deposition. I imagine so. She's very personable. She's very professional. She's very competent and, and resourceful and tactful. So I can, I like we can take a little bit of a win out of this. The guy who runs that church didn't end up running the grift that I thought he was going to be able to run. Mm, Do you true, remember when right. we were initially covering it? I was like, he's going to be on the Rubin report. He's going to be on uh, Brett Weinstein's show. He's going to yeah, be could- on, he's going to be on like, you know, Glenn Beck. He got, I think he got a couple Fox hits out of it, but he didn't really hit the, the true grift circuit, which a lot of people maybe like normies who are listening to this might not understand getting on Tucker. Sure. You're going to get a bigger audience, but it's once if you hit that grift circuit where you're on Rogan, you're on the Weinstein brothers show you, uh, Sam Harris at that time was probably already leaning against these people, but he would could have got on, he could have got on like a, with something with Pierre Corey or uh, maybe natural news or possibly info wars and really yeah. ran that grift. And cause that audience would have given him money. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think it was a, a missed opportunity and a lack of foresight and lack of uh, understanding of how to do, how to run that grift. So it's a little disappointing actually. Um, makes San Jose kind of seem like a backwater. <laughs> I wish that, I wish that our church church leaders had a little more, um, had a little more tact and savvy. Well, but this was just um, yeah, one. Right. This was just one church. Actually, we also covered a lot of stories of what I'll call the faith community doing yes. a hell of a job supporting supporting their neighborhoods, their communities, and their parishioners during yes. the uh, 
during during the pandemic. And so very much so. Very much so. And we probably gave him more coverage than anyone else did. Frankly. Right. So. And and I mean Santa Clara County was more restrictive than a lot of other places, but you look at the numbers and it worked. It it mm-hmm. worked. We had per yep. capita very low number of deaths. Uh per capita like our hospitals here never got overwhelmed. They were starting to get a little full, but that's different mm-hmm. than overwhelmed. Overwhelmed right. is like if you show up at the hospital and it looks like it's closed because there's no ambulances coming in, nobody in the parking lot, everybody who's there is already there. There's no room for anybody. None of the staff's leaving. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 the opposite of what you would think an overwhelmed hospital looks like. There's no room at the inn. Right. There's no room at the inn, so there's nobody driving into the parking lot. And so, you know, Santa Clara County did a, did a very good job, and it's unfortunate. Um <clears throat> If it would have been just up a little north in San Francisco, where it would have been the Ninth Circuit Court, I wonder, I wonder if the uh, case might have gone the other way. We'll see. I mean, but if it gets appealed all the way to the Supreme Court, then we all know what's going to happen. Well, then there. we all know so what's going to happen. Regardless. And regardless. not for nothing, the news framed it in a stupid way. They're like, "Oh, well, we're not. We don't want the court, or the court's not going to decide what's a valid religious belief." And it's like, well, that's not the question here is it's can the institution of a church break the law because they claim their religion says they can. And this always gets decided the other way when it's like a, some kind of Rastafarian church, they want to smoke weed or some shit. It's almost as if, well, you know, you know, you know, you know, yes, yes. I know. You know, we all know, we all know it. We all see it. Uh, speaking of Rastafarians and weed and drugs, um, there's a church in Oakland um, that, uh, speaking of treating their parishioners right, they use uh, they promote psychedelics and uh, other drugs uh, among their parishioners to to experience uh, God, um, and um, looks like the police are not very happy about that. Speaking of church and state. An Oakland church that promotes the use of psychedelic mushrooms and cannabis has filed a lawsuit against the city of Oakland and the Oakland Police Department over a police raid that happened two years ago. According to the Chronicle, in August of 2020, Oakland police raided the Zydjor Church and seized $200,000 worth of cannabis, psychedelic mushrooms and cash. Police say they'd received reports that the church was operating as a cannabis dispensary without a permit. The church's founder told the Chronicle he doesn't sell drugs. He says church members pay a fee of $5 a month and donate money to get cannabis or mushrooms. In its lawsuit, the church said the police raid violated its constitutional and religious freedom. They better cite that fucking COVID shit in there. Fucking, you know what I'm saying? They better cite the Calvary Church. They're like, listen, we're just getting people high. I don't know. The fucking, our shit doesn't have no body count. Yeah, $200,000 worth of weed. I mean, it's, it's really just personal supply, bro. I mean, don't, don't mess with me. $200,000 worth of weed used to not be a lot of weed. Now, now, I mean, I, you know, if I were looking, I could get a pound of weed for like $350. So $250,000 worth of weed is actually a, a fucking shit ton of weed. They had to remember that scene in, um, oh, I forget the name of that movie now where they had to buy a house to put all the cash in because they had so much mm-hmm. cash. They had mm-hmm. to like put, add an, ex, ex, they had to like, uh, they had to add an extra room to their church to put all their <laughs> fucking weed in. Um, well, then the second like mushrooms, don't forget too. I forgot about that. So those are a little pricier, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that this church is pretty based. Um, but it's yes. Uh, if it was just weed, I think the city of Oakland probably would have left them alone. Honestly, um, more more than likely, it's that it's once you get to that psilocybin psychedelic realm um, when you're messing with people's domes, dome pieces. That yeah, yeah, you, you get you get the the neighbors get a little squishy about that. But weed, you know, it's legal now, so. 
what's the big deal? The church is d- distributing it. I like that deal, though. Five-buck membership. I mean, how much weed are we talking about that you can get just randomly? Well, no, they said that in addition to that, people were donating money in exchange for weed. So they were selling oh, weed. So that's that's but, the point. Like, But it's the same as the other thing. That's you. There, there's legal ways to sell weed, and this church was like not doing it. And so, right. well, like, I guess, you know, if we're going to, I mean, if I'm going to be consistent here and if the story, this story was relayed to me accurately, if I'm going to be consistent here, I have to think that both of these places were running afoul of, of law and regulation, regardless of whether or not they were churches or what I believe about this. Um, I think that one is far worse than the other. Sure. Well, you make a great point, though, that this is not, it's not about adjudicating what qualifies as a you know one of their sacraments right or part of their you know a, a core piece of their religion we're not arguing that if you want to say that you know doing psilocybin mushrooms or um you know i don't know cooking up a, a good bratwurst or something is part of your religious sacrament like go for it right um but when you run to follow the law you want to follow the law period right that the the law kind of supersedes and the safety of the community safety i think supersedes um you know th- that question not the thing itself the sacrament is the sacrament, but it's 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 also a question of you know what is the result of that, and if it, if it's breaking the law, if your business op if your church business operating under our laws, you know it gets a little dicey for you. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's it's like they weren't they're not again. It's just not an adjudication of belief. It's an adjudication of of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I think we I think drugs should be legal anyway. So I think this is like like according to my personal beliefs. I don't know if a church wants to fucking sell a little shrooms and fucking kind of do it on the sneak. It's none of my fucking business. Maybe I'll join the well, church. I don't know. I mean, I was, it, maybe it'll be good shrooms. I, I want I want a little more info, honestly, because they did say, you know, he did say the thing about the donations, but he said basically it's a $5 membership and you can get drugs. So my question would be, okay, how much does the $5 membership get me, right? Is Zero. there some sort of quantity, right? Or do I have to give the extra donation to get something? And if then, how much are we talking about? Like if I give 20 bucks, can I just have unlimited amounts of drugs as much well, as I can take? It's or no, it's, it's like a, like a gram it's, or it's like the Costco model. When you pay for your Costco card, they don't give you a fucking, uh, fucking uh, case of water. You know what I'm saying? You still got to go buy the case of water. Yes. Yeah, so you just have the membership. So you have access to a, a safe space to get drugs basically through your church. Right. And like, it's, yeah, it's not for me to decide what they believe, but if I'm going to be consistent, then I guess both of these places broke the law. It's just like, yeah. I just don't agree with the law, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that like, just because there's plenty of people who don't agree with plenty of laws and we all, yeah. we live in a society. <laughs> sure. We live in a society built on rules. Um, no, you're right. I think, I think, I think you've assessed it correctly. Um, so we shall see if anything further comes of that. And if they get to back to distributing their drugs. Um, meanwhile, down, uh, closer to the South Bay in Mountain View, uh, caught this one in the news the other night. Um, so some school districts, as they're coming back to school, back to school, everyone, welcome back. It's August, of course. That's when everyone should come back to school since it's still summer. Um, don't understand this at all. I used to come back after Labor Day. Uh, it's back to school time, and some districts um, are still requiring masks indoors from students. And there was a parent in Mountain View who was really upset because his son got, his four-year-old got kicked out of class for not wearing a mask. And he videotaped the whole thing, and we've got it here on Down Ballot for you. NBC Bay Area. 
wearing a mask. That's what a Mountain View father says happened to his four-year-old son, and he recorded the video of it, which is causing controversy on social media. NBC Bay Area Stephanie Magallon has the video the boy's father did blur and explains why the district just announced it's cutting back on the mandate, at least for now. Here she comes, pulling him out of class. This is four-year-old J.D. His father, Sean, tells us this isn't the first time he's had to miss class this week due to a mask mandate. The Mountain View Wisman School District is one of few districts around the Bay Area that started the school year with masks. In this video shot by Sean, you can see a school resource officer step in. Sean and his attorney say that Therakoff Elementary School principal called the officer more than once this week. And after making the rounds on social media, parents in the district say they received an email informing them about the incident. Saying that it's too bad that discourse can't be civil anymore because of the mask mandate. In a statement, the district wrote in part that its priority is keeping students and staff safe. They say it's very unfortunate a parent recorded one of their principals, even though she asked him not to, and added they've only had one parent resort to tactics taken from a national playbook. I hope that they are doing what they think is best. The district also announced that as of today, indoor masking is optional, as they reference the latest COVID transmission map showing most of the Bay Area out of the orange zone. Right now, the numbers of cases and COVID is going down in the Bay Area. Uh, we're not really at ground level yet, but we're definitely making a lot of progress. Santa Clara County is now in the yellow, indicating medium level transmission rates. It's even lower in other counties like San Mateo, now in green. But infectious disease expert Dr. Peter Chin Hong says we shouldn't celebrate just yet. I predict that, you know, if cases go up during the winter time, you'd see micro environments coming back with mass guidance. The Mountain View Wisman School District did make it clear that they will reconsider a mask mandate if local community levels go back up. But certain parents like Sean say they're ready to fight that in the courts. In Mountain View, I'm Stephanie Magallon, NBC Bay Area News. Yeah, I don't. The guy seemed reasonable, but that doesn't mean that he's not sort of following the, the sort of playbook we've seen before. Yes. Oh, absolutely. This was all set up by that that parent um, to make a story out of pretty much nothing, right? And the, and his 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 defiance, not his four year old. Let's be really clear. If this has happened more than once, right? This is something where he just you know doesn't want his kid going in there with a mask on, and he wants to have this kind of argument. He wants to set this up. There's a reason why he videotaped it, right? Like he wanted this. He wanted this interaction. He wanted this confrontation. And I love you know. Oh, the school resource officer had to come in. You know, talk to the four year old. The cop's sitting there drinking like an energy drink with his hands in his pockets, just chit-chatting with the, with the dad, right? He's not like intimidating. He doesn't have a gun in the kid's face. He's not, the kid's just having a good time. Oh, it's a police officer. Um, you know, the kid has no idea what's going on. And it's really about this parent and him making a point. And that's what really pisses me off now as a parent too, that this guy's taking advantage of his child to, uh, to make a political statement, right? Um, and, to, and to run the playbook that we've seen all, all too many times. And like, not for nothing, he like recorded the principal without their permission. Now, I think, I don't know what the laws are on this. I think, I don't think you're allowed to go onto a school campus and just record. I'm not sure though. Uh, you're not necessarily allowed to just go onto a school campus, period. They are, you know, it's public property, but it's also private property too, right? It's a school district that um, owns the property generally, so they can 
have any rules they want as far as who's allowed on campus. And they can have rules about videotaping and cameras on campus as well. Um, and generally speaking, if someone asks you not to video record them and you continue to do it, you know, you're invading their privacy and their space. Um, unless you're a journalist, you know, or some, you have some legal right to, to videotape and to, to, to film. Um, well, if somebody's like walking down the street and they ask you to not record them, you don't have to listen to them because you're your own public property and you have no expectation right. of privacy, right. like walking down the street. But that doesn't mean you're not a dick. Right. It's <laughs> that's the thing. It's the basic thing, right? Um, it really doesn't matter where it's happening. If someone politely asks you or just even asks you to, to do something or not do something out of respect for their privacy, then you either do or you don't. And that, yeah, I, I think that dick or not dick, that's pretty much the, <laughs> the dichotomy and the, the binary uh, nature of that, of that question there um, in terms of your response. So uh, once again, I think the dog, the tail wagging the dog here and parent getting the news to do a story about something that's not really a big issue. It's not a going concern. Um, this is not a huge thing right now. This is really just a small segment of our population that's still pissed off about the masks. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. You know, um, but in, in COVID adjacent news, um, if you've been to Kaiser lately to get a COVID test, make sure that they haven't charged you for it. Check your statements. Um, you're going to find out why. If you haven't already, you may want to take a second look at your medical bills. Kaiser is now facing a lawsuit for reportedly charging patients for getting tested for COVID-19. NBC Barry Stephanie Magallon tells us what exactly you should be looking out for on your bills. This is a bill coming from Kaiser. In the first line, you can see a COVID-19 test that was covered by the insurance. But right below is a charge of $310 for what seems to be a flu test, which apparently wasn't requested by the patient. Well, that's the basis of this lawsuit. Kaiser patients across the state may be facing a similar conundrum after getting a bill like this for a service that's supposed to be free. We have filed a class action lawsuit uh, that was filed last week in Alameda County Superior Court. Brian Devine, uh, an attorney with Seeger Devine LLP, Kaiser is representing Faye Getchubig, uh, who he says went to Kaiser for a COVID-19 test and weeks later received what he calls an illegal bill for $310. This complaint accuses Kaiser of conducting and charging for a multiplex test, which detects both COVID and the flu, and says Getabig tried disputing the charge, but Kaiser didn't budge. So the class representative uh, was tested in Sacramento. Uh, we have heard from people uh, who were tested in Sonoma County. We've heard from people who were tested in San Francisco and received bills. Uh, so this does not seem to be just an isolated incident. Devine says Kaiser insures more than 40% of Californians. So he believes the number of patients impacted may be huge. In fact, in just the last two weeks, he's heard from a handful of people with similar bills. We don't know whether or not this is an intended effort by Kaiser to try to get people uh, either to stop testing or uh, to pass on some of those costs. In a statement, Kaiser wrote in part that it's their policy not to charge for COVID testing, including a multiplex COVID test, adding they are reviewing their members' allegations and will fix it if they identify a technical error. Devine says he and his client just want to make sure this practice ends and doesn't deter our community from getting tested, especially at a time where COVID is still knocking on our doors. So take a look at your bills. In San Jose, Stephanie Magallon, NBC Bay Area News. Seems like it was just a billing error, maybe, but they, I don't know. They, <clears throat> when you call these, when you call, because Kaiser's, like if people aren't from here, 
if people aren't like familiar, Kaiser is also the insurer for the vast majority of the people who go to their hospitals. Correct. And I, it might be a hundred percent. Yeah. I think maybe emergency stuff, you could go to a Kaiser hospital without being a Kaiser member or whatever, but like, yes. so it's <clears throat> when they said like build insurance or whatever, it's, it's like, that's like almost like a moot point for like kind of routine, routine care. If it was a billing error, though, you'd think they'd just clean it up right away. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of uh, the long-winded response, so um, hopefully it is. Hope, uh, but not, wouldn't be surprised if it isn't. Um, I am a Kaiser member, and it's it's been you know hit and miss. I would say in terms of my my uh, uh, the treatment I've received, and the well, the treatment I received has been fine, but maybe the uh, the administration and the bureaucracy leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and the follow-up and the care and the, the, the sort of human nature of everything um, and the, the sympathy and empathy. Um, anyway, um, but uh, hopefully it's just a clerical error, but it would not be surprising if it was not, let's just say. Well, the, thing, the other thing is, like, a lot of times, uh, if you call your insurance company and tell them they've made a mistake, they're like, I'm sorry, you've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crank caller, crank caller. <laughs> right. They transfer you around like your Madison star moon. Like, right. Um, but most preventative care is completely covered, um, which is great. Yep. I went to, for a physical the other day, actually, uh, absolutely zero copay, got all my labs done, blood work, urinalysis, all of that fun stuff that you get to do when you're, you know, old and shit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I good news, clean bill of health for the most part. Um, but it was also free of charge hundred percent. Um, cause they want to you know make sure that you're healthy. And frankly, they have a vested interest. The insurer definitely has an interest in making sure that you're healthy because um, they don't want to necessarily insure people who are not so healthy because it costs more, right? Well, you just raise your um, bill. Right. That's very true. And that's usually what they, what's been done in the past before Obamacare. Um, but even now, it's it can be still a very dicey situation. We need universal health care. We need universal health care. David, let's do this. So our next story is the most Silicon Valley story I think that we've covered, and I mean it's, but I mean quite some time, quite some time. Yeah, very close to the the, the most Silicon Valley e story ever on down ballot. So let's oh, hear it. We'll let the yeah, we'll let the local news take care of the the description for us. I used to work in tech, uh, and I had a normal nine to five, and then I decided to quit my job and actually do what I love, which is to join the circus. In an artist's loft in a gritty section of industrial Oakland, performers Christine Lee and Nina Sawant hone their circus dreams. Five years ago, they formed Dahlia's Entertainment, an Asian-American-run circus ensemble that performs at corporate events, weddings, and festivals. From aerial acrobatics, contortion. But when the pandemic hit, the big top came down on all the group's bookings. When COVID started, we lost all of our work. As the women decided whether to even try to continue, out of the blue came an offer for a booking from an acquaintance Lee knew from the tech world. Former kind of industry friend when I used to work in tech, his name is Jpeth Dillman, reached out and said, hey, I know that the Dahlias have gone through a really rough patch because of COVID. Lee said Dillman, a prominent Bay Area tech leader, wanted to book her troupe for a party in the wine country. According to texts provided by Lee, Dillman wanted to go big to support the performers. And he kept saying things like, you know, triple the budget, pay performers three times the amount, pay for all the flights. The Dahlias hired 20 people for the event, 
from staff to performers, all paid out of their own pocket. The party took place at a Sonoma winery. A couple dozen guests, including Dillman, watched magicians, contortionists, and aerial acts. We were just over the moon. We were so excited to be back and to be performing alongside our other performers. But the good vibes faded away after the event when the troupe says the $20,000 bill for their services never got paid. We waited, we pushed, and for the next year, I contacted him almost every day asking him for payment. Lee showed us texts that appear to show Dillman apologizing for the delay and even offering to add extra pay. But then in April, the group got a possible explanation for Dillman's financial. <laughs> the FBI arrested Dillman and accused him of defrauding investors in a San Francisco-based cryptocurrency trading fund. The case has yet to go to trial, and Dillman did not respond to our multiple requests for comment. But in one online publication, he said the amount owed the women was in dispute and involved a contract he said he never signed. The bottom line, the Dahlias are now $20,000 in the hole. I couldn't even process it. I was like, how is this possible? Even though we hadn't been paid, we still really believed we were going to be, and so we carried this confidence and energy forward. The Dahlia's calendar is once again filling up with events. This Tuesday, they're staging a performance fundraiser to try and make back the money they lost on the party. Yet what they've lost in trust, they've made up for in gratitude, as many hands now hold them up. So to see how much hope there is and how much support there is in the community. Joe Rosado Jr., NBC Bay Area News. So that's the most Silicon Valley thing. I didn't even know about the cryptocurrency angle. <laughs> that's the best part. That was the reveal. I didn't want to spoil it. Um, but yeah, this is this is beautiful. Artisanal circus performers ripped off by a tech bro who is then accused of cryptocurrency fraud. I mean, you can't get much more down ballot than that. So we'll leave you with that one. Winners and losers this week, folks. Um, just marinate on it a little bit. That loft, <laughs> my God. Did you see that loft they have? In, oh, my God. In the God. gritty area of Oakland, California. They mean like they mean like gentrified West Oakland, probably. Yes, I, I would <laughs> venture to guess. There's like lofts would, there and kind of over by the Coliseum. Um, I yeah. have a couple friends. Oh, yeah. I have a couple friends who live in the old Sunshine Biscuit Factory. And it may mm -hmm. look like a gritty area, but those lofts are fucking amazing. They're fabulous, right? The rent's probably a little bit steep. Even in the gritty areas. <laughs> gritty areas. <laughs> What's the dog whisper there? Um, all right. Well, uh, as, as always, we were asking someone to get their shit together here on Down Ballot because there's so many people that have to get their shit together on a regular basis. And... Uh, the last few weeks and for a while it's been San Jose PD. Sorry guys, but um, it's true. Uh, this week uh, looks like they have some ch a challenger. Uh, Antioch police uh, are are uh, getting themselves into some hot water. Um, we're going to find out more about it from NBC Bay Area. We're following new developments in an ongoing criminal investigation into police from multiple cities in Contra Costa County. Eight cops are being investigated by both the DA and FBI. Let's bring in NBC Bay Area's Pete Serratos with the details. Pete. Yeah, with several Antioch police officers under criminal investigation, yeah. the mayor of Antioch announced a number of moves today that he hopes will bring some stability at the top of the department. I'm certainly uh, sorry that we find ourselves in these circumstances. Change doesn't come overnight, and I ask uh, for folks uh, to be uh, patient with the process. 
uh, and patience, patient with us as government. Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe expressing his frustration with the current state of the city's police department. We've known for months that officers within the department were under criminal investigation, but today the mayor revealed that eight officers are under investigation. That's 15% of the city's total patrol division. The mayor did not elaborate on the crimes they may have committed. That uh, continues to hamper our ability to do our work and to keep the public safe. Uh, and so to the extent that we can uh, uh, try to uh, fix that, we will. As for trying to fix the situation, the mayor says he plans to appoint Cornelius Johnson as Antioch's permanent city manager and Dr. Steve Ford as the permanent chief of police. Both men have held interim roles for the city. The mayor says both men bring decades of experience, specifically experience in police reform. Ford joined today's press conference via Zoom and had this to say. Moving forward, we will be purposeful in restoring trust, respect, and legitimacy from our citizenry. Johnson was in attendance and tells me he looks forward to the work ahead. We're here to bring some continuity, uh, bring uh, accountability, and bring and to restore trust to the community is it's essential. The mayor will hold a special meeting this Friday to formally appoint Johnson, who will eventually appoint Ford as chief of police. He hopes the changes will provide the stability needed to navigate what lies ahead for the department and ensure residents have faith in the officers they call for help. In Antioch, Pete Serratos, NBC Bay Area News. So you feeling confident about Antioch's ability to rein in their police force? I don't think anybody has the ability to rein in their police force. Like even our friend Sebastian Gorka, as he said at the beginning of the show, he's like a police officers. They've gone insane. <laughs> like 15% of their fucking police force is under some kind of investigation. That's like one in six or something. That's crazy. Yes. So if you call the cops and you actually need help of, of some sort, then you're like, there's a one in six chance this person is being investigated by other police. <laughs> one in six of whom are probably under investigation by other police. Hopefully, you just need to get your cat out of the tree. Not oh, life man. or death situation, or you know, you or you're wrongly accused of stealing, I don't know, a lighter or something from the convenience store, or eating Skittles, selling a cigarette, uh, or selling a cigarette. There you go. Um, good lord. Yeah, fifteen percent. So, so San Jose, you got some some uh, ways to go there. Then again, the San Jose force is a little bit bigger than Antioch's, so you know, fifteen percent would be quite a few more officers. Let's hope it's not that prevalent. But um, as far as investigations go, <laughs> but we all know that that they've had many many issues here, and many forces are having similar issues. I think uh, it's it's difficult to recruit um, people to a job uh, uh, like that um, who. Um, where fifteen percent of them are not <laughs> are not one way or the other um, inclined towards uh, sort of the cowboy and cowgirl nature, and I mean not for nothing uh, the the system it's like it's like a it's like a funnel and at the top of the funnel it kind of weeds out any of the people who aren't going to like toe the toe the line and yeah. um, like sort of go go along to get along with the other cops kind of regardless of what the other cops are doing. Um, they're, right. you know, it's, I've heard people tell me this personally, who used to be police officers and I've heard people like on interviews on like NPR talk about this. So it's not, yeah. it's all the way from big institution telling me to drunk guy at Pino's telling me why he now does yeah. personal security instead of yeah. copping. Yeah. And so it's like, this isn't, you know, this is a, a problem for every police force where if you get a yeah. few bad apples in there, 
especially if they're like, I don't know how to say this, like the popular cops maybe, or the sort of like the loud cops or the, the, the ones who just kind of wield more influence within that community, then everybody's going to go along to get along. And people who might not have even otherwise participated in this kind of shit are going to end up participating in it to go along to get along. But usually sure. going along to get along is like not arguing with somebody at Thanksgiving dinner. It isn't doing a corruption as a cop. So it's like, right. It's different. And riding along with someone who has a gun, right. Uh, right. And you have a gun, right. Um, yeah. The best cops I know uh, are no longer cops. Um, so that, that says a lot, I think, uh, or at least the best people I know who were cops, right. Are no longer cops. Um, there's a good reason for that. So speaking of, uh, SJPD, um, uh, everyone wants to try and solve it. Um, whether it's the staffing issues, shortage, whatever you want to call it, um, or it's, uh, just basic, uh, treatment of officers. Um, everyone thinks they have a solution, especially around election year. So we're going to hear about what's happening in, uh, in the current tiff between city hall and the police officers. Well, mandatory overtime means an officer might have to put in a 16-hour day, then come back the next day to finish their regular shift. And so the department is adding 17 overtime cars per day. Staffing levels were so low this past weekend that the San Jose Police Department ordered 36 officers to work overtime. The weekend before, it was 52 officers. Someone that's working day shift that's supposed to get off at 4.30 p.m. may be required to stay until 9.30 uh, that person has to come back and still work their day shift uh, the next day as well. Beat cops have told NBC Bay Area that the mandatory overtime is leading to exhaustion and burnout. And that's the last thing the Hillsdale Neighborhood Association wants to hear. When we have an officer coming out, we want them to be well rested, alert, to be able to also be empathetic of what's going on. The president of the neighborhood. Yeah, we're rich. Excuse me. Association says crime and public safety are the number one concerns in her community. And she doesn't want police burnout or staffing struggles to make matters worse, especially in crime-ridden communities. But when it's concentrated in the pocket of San Jose, um, and you just know that people around you are being affected, it's insulting, it's upsetting. Now, in hopes of eliminating the mandatory overtime, the department is putting 17 additional patrol cars on the streets per day. The goal is to staff these overtime cars with officers who volunteer for extra hours on their scheduled days off, leaning on those who want the extra money to help those who need the break. If we plug in someone with an overtime shift, I mean, they can plan it, they can anticipate it, like, hey, I'm going to go work 10 hours on my day off. We prefer that than to have to hold somebody over who didn't necessarily plan on working, you know, 16, 17 hour day. The hope is this will be a temporary fix until more officers come through the academy and complete their probationary period. But with recruitment numbers low nationwide, the overtime car model might need to stick around for some time. In San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. If, if only the police had a better reputation and it was easier to recruit people into, into police organizations. So you want to be a police officer. Um, I see the banners all the time. Um, I'm tempted. You know, I, I need a little extra work. I like guns. That'd be, that'd be amazing. You would, you would be one of those cops that the, the, that the funnel kicks out. You'd be like, no, I'm not doing that corruption. They'd be like, get out of here. Yeah. I'd probably get shot by my partner <laughs> or, like, or, or hung out to dry or, you know, framed um, and taken down just to get out, taken, get, get out of the way. Right. Um, well, uh, we are on down ballot watch now, um, and so that's that's one uh, tiff that's going to be, I think, a regular theme during the course of our uh, 
our elections here uh, as we approach November in the in our runoff elections locally. Uh, the biggest election we have, of course, is the mayor's race, and uh, between Cindy Chavez and Matt Mahan, and it's already getting a little bit uh, nasty. Um, so Cindy Chavez has filed uh, has fired off of a couple ads uh, against Matt, and uh, we're going to take a look at one of them here, and we'll talk about it on the other side. In politics, Matt Mahan has a pro-choice position. But as a tech CEO, Matt Mahan said his company wouldn't take sides. So you might have uh, one group advocating uh, a pro-life cause it causes and another group advocating for uh, women's rights or uh, choice. Yeah. And uh, how do you deal with those conflicts it causes. We don't want to take sides on which side of, of you know, immigration, abortion, or any other issue we think is right. We don't think that we're very well suited to do that. Other companies, including Netflix, Patagonia, and Levi Strauss, have strong pro-choice positions. Lyft and Uber will even pay for the legal defense of their drivers in Texas for driving a woman who needs an abortion. Well, that's because none of them st have the stench of Peter Thiel all over them. <laughs> Although not for nothing, the Founders Fund probably invested in half of those companies, but they already cashed out. So Mr. Thiel probably right. doesn't have a, Mr. Thiel probably doesn't have the sway. <clears throat> I think it's okay to do that, um, to just be like, we don't get involved in this stuff. But another, another, he could have just fixed that by being like, you know, my positions on these issues are pretty clear but I'm just not going to throw money at these things because my company does this. We're not a political action committee. It's not our job to fund campaigns. There are organizations that do that. I personally donate to such and such and such and such a thing, but my company is my company. Like he, he it's so easy for him to not, not fuck that up. But instead yeah, he's I, just like, we're just not, we're neutral. Right. Well, that, that was, that was the clips were from when he was the CEO at causes. Right. Um, and this is long before, I don't know if he had always considered running for office, but before he ran for office, um, now, you know, he'll tell you basically that what you just said, right? Well, I, I listen to NPR and I love my grandma and I watch, you know, I, I donate to Planned Parenthood and all that shit. Um, but you know, as far as my business goes, you know, I have, you know, we were neutral because that's the platform, right? Just the, the Zuckerberg defense. Right. Um, and uh, so it's it's typical, typical uh, tech pro attitude. And if that's what you want from your mayor, then that's who you'll, you'll end up voting for. I'm not saying vote for the other person. Um, find out about we'll find out more about them soon. Um, they I am their, I am saying vote for the other person. I mean, you might as well. Um, <laughs> they have they have their fleas just just like any other can candidate and politician that's been around for a long time. Yeah, but their um, their but, fleas didn't come from Peter Thiel's dog. Right. It's different kinds of fleas and different kinds of, uh, different kinds of d d diseases that they're carrying around with them. Uh, but, uh, either way, we're going to have, a mayor. I get to vote for the other person now. Oh, that's exciting. You're a San Jose resident now. It's a I'm San so Josealian, sir. San Josealian. San Josealian. Very nice. I'm so excited for you. Um, welcome. Uh, we, we were, we're glad to have you. Um, and whenever, whenever you want to start that political consulting firm, um, let me know we're, we're ready to rock. What political consulting firm? Bad baby political consulting. That would be the no such political consulting firm. Yes, the none such. <laughs> right. With a like uh, an innocuous name like Consultants LLC. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move uh, on to and another thing. And I believe this is a rich trans story. It actually isn't. Um, it's, it's the 
it, this is the previous story. We're going to get to that next week because I really wanted to dive a little deeper into Milpitas. But um, oh. Rich Tran, um, just FYI, we'll, we'll do a little teaser then. Rich Tran um, is not running for city council again in Milpitas, um, uh, Mayor Rich Tran. Um, he's decided to take a break. So we're going to learn more about that in the race to replace him as mayor uh, in, in a future episode of Down Ballot. But first, um, this is something normally would be under get your shit together. Um, and if you're wondering what happened to the $20,000 that the tech bro owes to the circus performers, he might've spent it on a new trash can. Expensive trash cans, but are they tough enough? San Francisco has installed these prototype trash cans across the city, some with a price tag of 20,000 bucks. But this new picture shows they may not be so tough. Here's NBC Barry is Christy Smith. On a busy street corner, a prototype trash can is part of a pilot program to find a new solution for keeping San Francisco streets clean. But a recent photo posted on the website Reddit appears to show a very pricey can may not be able to stand up to the rough and tumble streets. I, I wasn't sure what it was. Kevin Ariola saw the can after the city came to fix it. It's not ideal. I would imagine if they're prototyping, then they're just trying to find what the best fit for the city will be. Hopefully it doesn't look like that. This is the soft square can and the pricey prototype cost about $20,000 to produce. The city is testing six models, three off the shelf and three custom designs. The first 30 day test period is wrapping up. A real time field test and if you could field test a garbage can in San Francisco, you could field test a garbage can anywhere. Rachel Gordon is a spokesperson for San Francisco Public <laughs> Works and says part of the test is to see how the models stand up to real life on the streets. We don't want to just go and put them on the street and find out, wow, these door hinges weren't working. So we want to see what's going to happen to these cans. Does it need a different lock? Does it need a different hinge? Does it not, it's, are people not liking to use it? And people can weigh in by scanning the QR code posted on each can. The city is looking at how they stand up to graffiti, how easily they can be serviced, and how easy each one is to use. They also want to find a design that will minimize people rummaging through cans and leaving trash on the sidewalk. Tonight, that photo has some thinking this clearly isn't the winner. Once a design is selected, there will be about 3,000 cans coming, but with a much lower price. We're looking at a target price of between $2,000 and $3,000 per can. That's very reasonable. Christy Smith, NBC Bay Area News. So they keep leading on these stories with these $20,000 trash cans, but they're talking about the prototypes. How much were the off-the-shelf ones? Because they're probably closer to the two or three grand this the the city representative was bringing up. Getting something prototyped and made like custom for you from scratch, you're paying for the design, you're paying for the initial... You're paying for like the initial attempts to produce it, and then you're paying for it to be produced. There could be some hiccups in the in the production process. Like, there's all kinds of stuff that that yep. is going to increase the price of a prototype. So, hundred percent, you can't, you can't. I mean, you can, but it's like dishonest to use the prototype price and act as though it's it's a super expensive trash can when <clears throat> it's just like a one of a kind. It's like one of them cupcake shops where like a cupcake ain't $9. It's just that if you go to this one place that sells you the one of a kind cupcake, it's $9. They started yeah, mass no, producing they, they, that shit. It would be 30 cents. 
And this is just another example of, uh, and it's a good way to wrap up the show uh, for this week of the local news that we get, the local news angles that we we are subjected to, um, where you know a single squeaky wheel or a person in the community can post a picture on Reddit of a busted up trash can and say, "Look what they're spending twenty thousand dollars on," right? Um, and uh, you're right. At the end of the day, um, if you're doing it from scratch, it's going to cost more. And it's good that they're testing that ladies. Like nice lady from Public Works is right. It's good that they're testing these things out in uh, in advance because you know people would just pop off if they spent a bunch of money, even two or three k on garbage cans, and they were all tilted over. They had some sort of flaw in them, right? Um, or they they were just messed up, and no one liked them or no one used them, right? They would get lambasted and run into town on a rail, and they're already not doing so hot in San Francisco Public Works as we've covered on this show before. So. Yeah, it's good that they're doing that and good that they're testing them out. Um, and I, I like you, you like to see it. Um, it's, a, it's a similar argument, though, that we hear about housing and, and interim housing solutions and, and transitional housing and, um, you know, these quick build projects. Oh, it costs, you know, um, $600,000, $700,000 a unit to build these things. Well, yeah, the, the prototype. Um, once you start mass producing it, if you're doing it more, um, it's going to cost less. So uh, anyway, another thing, just remember, it's not always what it seems. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have places to throw the trash out. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Councilman, why don't you read out down ballot as we uh, head on into local love? Well, thank you for joining us, as always, for uh, the locals evening here on Echoplex Media. Please remember to uh, subscribe on Twitch and make sure you're checking us out there uh, for the video portion of the show and downloading the podcast on your podcatcher of choice um, and sharing that with your friends, especially if you're local to the Bay Area. But even if you're not, we know here at Down Ballot that all politics are local, all derp is local, and we hope that you will make sure that you get vaccinated, that you get your booster, that you try to wear pants when possible, and that you have a lovely week, and we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing Queen to get the fuck up on and like the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man. You know where we are We're headed out to the car To smoke another one And another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band we do what we want, what we wanna do, and what we wanna do 
what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Enjoy that band Last up on the field for the show tonight It's down to dirty and five so we're headed outside To spark up another joint now who's got my light A stoner E of course shouldn't you be inside I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is is that I don't think logically now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rocky the rolly, all that sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want What we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band So sit back and enjoy the band All they say the heat like jamming And they hope it like jamming too Well I gotta say thank you Bob we do Yes I gotta say thank you Bob we do Well Bob Marley said the heat like jamming And he hope it like jamming too Well I gotta say thank you Bob we do For $5, you can get every show from beginning to end sent to you as an MP3. Even the stuff we bleep out because it's too spicy for Twitch. Echoplex would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the community support we receive. Find out all the ways you can support the show at echoplexmedia.com support.